When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. I am back live from Florida, no longer from Buffalo, New York. And in fact, Joe, when I was up there, that wing sauce, the buffalo sauce on the wings that I was trying and giving a whole breakdown last night of my experience trying buffalo wings because I discovered before my trip to Buffalo, New York, if you guys didn't know, I'm here to inform you that apparently wings are from Buffalo. That's why they're called Buffalo Wings. It's a thing. It became a thing on this show. Breaking news here on ESPN Radio. That Buffalo sauce got a little bit in that cut that I had from the electric saw, by the way. Didn't didn't feel so good. (laughs) You just got the whole experience up there in old Western New York. But you know what? You're better off having done it. And that's something that we here strive to push to you. Take yourself outside the comfort zone. Sure. You might not know, or you might be aware that Buffalo is responsible for Buffalo wings, unlike Amber. But go out there and push (laughs) your boundaries like she did. Take some of that sauce and rub it in your cuts. I had a great time up there. I I went to Canada for the first time. I saw Niagara Falls. I feel like I accomplished a lot, including watching the Dolphins lose to the Bills. That is a memory I could forget, though the rest of the game was fun right up until that point that my Dolphins season ended. But then I got home today. Everything went fine when it came to traveling. My mother-in-law, though, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Let me say that very quickly here on the front end. She was staying with us this morning, of course yours as well everyone's uh, James is as well I'll best. just speak for him they're the best so we're all staying in an Airbnb together in Buffalo and this morning and she does this every time she stays with me in Florida too she brews coffee at crazy hours and the thing is I've discovered the smell of coffee wakes me right up like nothing else like an alarm clock going off this woman starts brewing coffee this morning at 3 10 in the morning 3 10 I'm oh. up I'm up. I'm ready to go. I had to get up anyways at four because I had to catch an early flight. But there's few things worse in life than waking up at 310 when you have to be up at four. I thought when you said crazy hours, you were going to say like, she's brewing coffee at noon. Who brews coffee at noon? And I'd be like, yeah, that is kind of crazy because you're coming off your initial coffee high and you're not going to have your coffee, your afternoon coffee until 2 p.m. 3 a.m. I mean, isn't that the (laughs) only thing you would be doing at 3 a.m. is making coffee or sleeping? I feel like normal people would be sleeping, you know, like let's sleep right up until that alarm. Let's push it right there until we all have to actually get you a snooze person. Do you hit the snooze? a lot? I can't snooze that early in the morning. I learned that when I worked the morning show for a million years down in Miami, if I started a snoozing, it was over. So when I was doing that show and I was up at four every single day, I got real used to getting up on the very first alarm before that I was a big snoozer, but that was back when I was working regular hours. And so now that I did a morning show for five, years and I got used to getting up every day on the first alarm I get up on the first alarm are you, you a see snoozer? I'm the exact I'm the exact opposite my body is trained to wake up exactly four minutes before my alarm goes Ew, off exactly four minutes before if I set it for 5 15 I'll wake up at 5 11 if I set it for 6 40 I'll wake up at 6 36 and that's the perfect amount of time that you look at the phone and you see the time and you go damn it because you cannot fall back asleep and get anything valuable. If you have another 20 minutes, that's one thing. But four minutes, you just lay there hating life. Then you hear the alarm go off. 
then you start what is no doubt going to be a miserable day. And now you know, Amber Wilson, how I live 365 days a year. Well, I feel like four minutes is glorious if you're just waking up on your own. I'd be thrilled if I woke up every morning on my own. Now, normally, my life is I wake up every morning with a three-year-old screaming, Mommy, get me out of bed. But if I was a normal person without the three-year-old problem and I was waking up to an alarm every morning, I feel like I would really appreciate waking up just before the obnoxious alarm starts going off. I feel like you've got the system down. Yeah, it's not a life you want to lead. You, you want to be a little bit more flexible. You know, I got a vacation coming up and my wife is going to be driven nuts by this because again, every morning I'll be waking up at like 5.05 and it's like, you know, let's go down to the pool. It's like, no one's at the pool at 5.30. <laughs> Shut up and go back to bed or leave the room or do anything other than talk to me right now. And it's like, no, I want to enjoy the day. No, it, it, it's, it's being around me as you're having, if you haven't already found out, it's, it's, it's very challenging. Well, very I, challenging. apparently so. You and my mother-in-law, you guys should hang out. You can brew some coffee <laughs> together at three in the morning. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Aaron Rodgers is doing the thing. He's back at it. He's back out here saying the things, stealing the headlines, the latest from the Pat McAfee show. Here was Aaron Rodgers on his future. Future. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Um, right situation? Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. But I don't think you should shut down any, you know, opportunity. Like I said, during the season, it's got to be, you know, both uh, both sides, uh, you know, like actually wanting, you know, to work together moving forward. And uh, I think there's, you know, more conversations to be had. Uh, so many eye rolls with this guy. I can't with this guy. Joe, what conversations are there to be had? You're under contract with Green Bay because, oh, by the way, you signed that contract before this past season for over $50 million per. You ain't going nowhere if you're staying and playing football. What are we talking about? I love this guy. I used to not like this guy. I love this guy. Oh. He is so good at staying relevant. He should join the WWE. He, he, knows should, exactly, <laughs> he knows exactly how to give you a storyline. He knows how to stick to it. He knows how to throw a wrinkle into it. One minute you think it's retirement. Eh, he's not really sure. You know, someone wanted to do a jersey swap with him. He was not interested. He thought he wanted to keep that one. Now, all of a sudden, we're not talking about retirement. A week later, the narrative shifts. He needs the right situation, a new story. We can talk about it on air. And then next week, he'll be on with McAfee. And he's probably going to go on another ayahuasca trip and figure himself out and throw up all over him himself in the middle of the Mexican desert and that'll be a good time every week he gives us a story every week he is content gold I love this guy I don't even know if he knows what he wants but it's wonderful listening to him he is one of the game's great characters I will not listen to you disparage him any longer character is right you said it accurately there he has become a character that's what he is he is playing a role like you just said for your beloved wrestlers right we should give him a stage name because that's all Aaron Rodgers is at this point I can't stand it what are we doing he's so ridiculous what is it you don't like let let me ask you this what is it you don't like what gets you so offended i think because he 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 presents himself as 
I'm smarter than everybody. I'm so deep. I'm so intellectual. I'm so in touch with myself. But it all seems so disingenuous because it feels like he's playing a part. He's playing a character. And so those two things in my mind can't simultaneously exist. It has just become exhausting, I think, as well in this job because you know what? He did the thing. He said the thing. So we're going to talk about the thing. And I'm now going to talk about the thing all summer because you're right. He does it very well from that perspective. He's making all the headlines. God forbid we spent a couple moments here talking about Tom Brady's future based on the answer he gave in his press conference last night. We're going to get to that later in the show, but don't worry. Aaron Rodgers said the thing on the Pat McAfee show, so we're going to lead our show talking about the thing that Aaron Rodgers said. And this is probably going to happen for the next three months because Aaron Rodgers is going to keep saying the things. And I am going to have to talk about this guy for the next three months for him to just rock, for him to not show up to OTAs again, for him to go into a preseason, kind of show up, look like he doesn't have chemistry with his team, and then we're going to roll right into next season. And by the way, he's going to do it in a Green Bay Packers uniform. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive. Coming up, from one quarterback's unknown future to another, I just alluded to it. Let's get into it enough with this Aaron Rodgers guy. This is ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Joe and Amber, which means Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson hanging out with you. Check them out on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check me out as well at Amber W Sports. Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers season has come to an end. Maybe his career in Tampa, maybe his career as a whole. We will have to wait on that information. But Tom Brady did end his press conference in a very peculiar way last night. Let's listen to Tom Brady thinking the media. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. 
Now, I said peculiar because, first of all, we don't often get that from athletes thanking us, the media, right? And so it was very gracious of Tom Brady to do that. Also a bit peculiar because of the way that he ends things there, though, where he says that he hopes he gave it back, everything he got from the organization. That doesn't sound like a man who thinks that he's going to continue forth with the same organization. No, he's definitely done with Tampa. That You don't say well, I mean, that. Definitely. Definitely done with Tampa. You know, I mean, when you look at his options. But I will admit, it sounds like he's done with Tampa. When I'm looking at his options, I'm like, it's not that crazy if he was to stay in Tampa, if he continues playing. Everyone's acting like it was a foregone conclusion. But that last sentence there does make me think that he's acknowledging he's done in Tampa. Yeah, I don't know why he would say that if he's planning on coming back to Tampa. Byron Leftwich is going to be out as the offensive coordinator Who knows what the future holds for Todd Bowles. I think that's an organization that's got some issues right now that they need to figure out. And there's nothing wrong with that because they got exactly what they paid for in Brady. They brought him to town. They suddenly became relevant, won a bunch of games, won a Super Bowl, and now he's leaving. Any fan base on earth would trade for that run. Any fan base on earth. So now they begin the process of figuring out what's in the future. And Brady does as well. If he's coming back, I'm trying to figure out what's the motivation. That's the most fascinating part of this entire angle. Is he coming back because he wants to win another Super Bowl? Because if that's the case, I'm trying to figure out why everyone's linking him to the Raiders. Why would you want to be in a division with Patrick Mahomes, right? So that's number one. And that's before you even dive into the issues the Raiders have on both sides of the ball. Is it because he's trying to build up his stats so that maybe it's going to be impossible to catch him one day? I don't know. Maybe he wants a stat pad. Is it money? It doesn't seem like it would be money to me. I think he's done all right, but what do I know? Then I wonder if it's this. Does he have nothing better to do? Is he worried about what life after football is going to be like? After all, he just crossed a threshold this year in which he spent more than half of his life in the National Football League. He has spent more than half of his life in the NFL. I wonder if he's just worried about what's out there, the great unknown, after he leaves, and if that's why he's hanging on and still wants to play because I can't figure out what it is. If it's winning, I don't know why he'd go to the Raiders. I can't see it being money. He doesn't seem like a guy who's trying to pad his stats. I wonder if he's really worried about what happens after he leaves the game. Yeah, I mean, it seems ridiculous to say you got nothing better to do when you're rich and you're handsome and you have a reportedly $100 million plus dollar television contract coming your way and you can probably get into business doing anything that you want moving forward. You're single, you're embarking on a new life, you still have a beautiful family and your children that you're still raising. And so it seems silly to think he has nothing better to do, but at the same time, what is better than the life he's lived in terms of actual football? And so you can understand. Now, I do think Tom Brady goes and lives a heck of a life after football, and I hope he learns to embrace that whenever he feels like that time comes. But that transition for an athlete, even one who has had the success of Tom Brady and can continue to have the success after football that Tom Brady can have in whatever arena he decides to go into in terms of business, and certainly he's already gone into several off the field as well. But that transition is not an easy one. And I would imagine that transition is not an easy one even for the greatest and maybe even harder for the greatest to ever do it and the most decorated to ever do it because then that life that you're stepping into is so unknown. And like you said, this is all he has known for so long. So that might be part of the trepidation. I don't know what makes Tom Brady tick. We all thought that Tom Brady retired after last season. It made a lot of sense to all of us. I don't think any of us were questioning it and thinking that – 
it was going to that he was going to unretire 40 days later I think we were all very shocked by the turn of events there because it made a lot of sense for him to retire after last season heck if he had retired the season before it would have made sense to all of us if he had gone out on top after winning the Super Bowl it would have made sense if he had retired five years ago frankly none of us would have been questioning any of that so it's impossible to know what's going on inside Tom Brady's head and what he wants moving forward he did sound like a man that wants something different though than what he's had and that might mean a different team but if we're talking about different teams I'm kind of with you everyone keeps linking him to the Raiders and I keep thinking why I mean even in terms of the stat padding since you mentioned Patrick Mahomes like it is really hard to pad your stats and expect that none of these young bucks coming up behind you are ever going to find a way to catch you when already you've played longer than anybody else who came before you at that position at that level but in part because technology keeps getting better. We keep learning more about how to take care of your body. It feels like maybe they're going to learn too. And there's going to be somebody right now who might be in diapers who would have no problem playing until 55 or six. Who knows where this could go in terms of science and the preservation of an athlete's body. But also when it comes to playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes, when it comes to competing with any of those guys that are kind of like the next generation of the greats, I don't know why if you're Tom Brady, you'd want anything to do with that. I know some people are saying, Hey, maybe, Maybe Miami because he was linked to Miami before. And I'm thinking, well, you got Josh Allen in that division. Do you want to deal with that? And we could kind of do that all over the league for Tom Brady. If I'm Tom Brady, the only way I'm continuing fourth, which I think is what we saw this past season in Tampa, he's still capable. His stats were still good this past season, but he needs a perfect situation. He needs the right weapons. He needs younger receivers. He needs he the needs Mike Evans and the Chris Godwin at the height. He needs of an their, O-line. Right. He did not he have an O-line line. this year. He was yes. getting killed back there. He was getting killed. He needs a stable O-line. He needs help in the backfield. I don't know what happened to Fournette last night. He completely disappeared. He needs a defense that's more reliable than the one that Tampa put out there for him this season. He needs a perfect situation. I'll give Where you does the that team. perfect situation exist outside of maybe, I guess, San Francisco? Why would San they Francisco. Wanna, but why would they want to do that? They can win okay, with Brock so let me, Purdy. Why are they bringing in the 46-year-old? Number one. If Purdy flames out in the playoffs, everyone's going to start looking at that situation saying, nice run, but can we trust this guy as the franchise moving forward? That's a big question when you have this roster constructed the way it is because they are in win-now mode. Number two, you have no idea what you have in Trey Lance. The only thing you know is that you gave up a ton of picks to move up for a guy who didn't play, who did not play, and then got hurt, right? We saw a few minutes of him, and that's it. If Brady comes home, and he's from right down the street in San Mateo, if he comes home and you just have him for one year, Garoppolo's gone, Purdy's your insurance policy, you still have Trey Lance on a cheap rookie deal right behind him, those three guys, why would you say no if you're the Niners? Now, if Purdy leads, Purdy leads you to a Super Bowl or he leads you to the NFC Championship and you just get outdueled because he plays well and the defense doesn't show up, completely understand if you want to move forward with him. But if he flames out, this week, next week, because the defense has been playing very well. If he flames out, why would you not see if you could get Tom Brock Brady? Brock Purdy is 23 years old. If you can show that you can win with Brock Purdy, and I agree with you, I think maybe making an NFC championship, but if you can show that you can at least get there with a 23-year-old, why all of a sudden would you about face and go to the 46-year-old. And then, of course, you would still have Trey Lance on your roster as well. The whole thing with them is they traded up to get Trey Lance, right, because they wanted the youth. That's the whole thing about them moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo as well as they wanted the durability. They wanted the youth. They wanted to go a different direction. They felt like they could do it with somebody else. 
Tom Brady seems very far outside of that philosophy. So that's the strange thing. Also, we always do this thing like he's coming home. He's been gone longer. He's lived everywhere else longer than he ever lived there. I don't know if coming home is the same when you've been gone from home as long as Tom Brady has been gone from that area of California. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So sound on, sound off for this segment. James Steele, our producer, will also be making an appearance. Let's kick things off here with Dan Graziano. He is ESPN's NFL insider. He was on Greeny earlier today. He was asked about the future of Sean Payton. The compensation for the Saints might not have to be as extensive if he waits a year. You know, he knows the landscape. He knows what's out there. He'll hear from the teams in terms of money and what kind of personnel control and what the quarterback situation is expected to be and all that. And yeah, I don't think he's in a situation, Sean Payton, where he has to just take any old job. I I do believe that it's something where he could wait a year if the perfect opportunity is not there for him. So Joe, if you're Sean Payton and you're looking around at the available jobs this offseason, do you stay away for another year or do you take one of the ones that are available right now? It depends on what matters most to him. The fact that he was interviewing with Houston is fascinating because they seem like a dumpster fire of an organization, but they've got a lot of money. They've got some picks. They're a nice rebuilding project in a relatively soft division. But that being said, what what is it that interests him? You know, the Charger job seems very exciting, but now that we're hearing he might wait another year, maybe he wanted it, and the Chargers are bringing back Brandon Staley. It appears that they're getting rid of some coordinators and not him. I mean, what could open up next year? Dallas, if not this year, the Jets, if Salah and and New York flops again, Cleveland, if it doesn't work with Stefanski, the Chargers, maybe the Rams, if McVay decides to leave. The bottom line for Peyton is there's no reason to come back unless the job is absolutely perfect because he's at the top of everybody's list right now. I've been saying this, that we are acting like it's a done deal that Sean Payton is going to decide to come back to coaching now. And he has said that, hey, maybe I'll stay in television for a little while, even though he is simultaneously interviewing with these jobs and reporting putting a staff together. I just think that this is going to be how things go with Sean Payton. He certainly can take his time here and test his options. Maybe he tests them in this coaching carousel. Maybe we see him do multiple interviews. Maybe he considers options, but then maybe he does it again next season. Maybe even it does it again the season after that. He's always going to have the suitors out there. He can certainly take his time in making this decision. I do think it comes down to what he wants, like Joe just said. I don't think some of those prime jobs that we thought were going to be available are going to be available. I feel like McCarthy secured his job, frankly, last night even. I understand it was the wild card round, but still, uh, 
it felt like a big win. It felt like some job security there. Staley doesn't appear is going anywhere. Also, they seem to not want to spend money as an organization on that head coaching position. Maybe one reason Brandon Staley's still there. I don't know how that's going to work out for Sean Payton in the future. So maybe some of those jobs aren't going to be available when we thought that they were. Speaking of the Chargers, Joey Bosa was, well, not happy, putting it mildly, with the officiating and the Chargers lost to the Jags during Super Wild Card Weekend. Here was the Chargers' the end. I think there just needs to be more accountability on, uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine, but if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they get to, they're probably back in the locker room after the game, like, oh, I got that. Oh, yeah, got him 15 yards, what a loser. I guarantee it, that's what they're talking like in the back. Um, whatever, power trip. Um, I'm sick of those people, and I'm just about my third F-bomb so far. Sorry, but, man, oof. So, Amber, is, uh, is uh, Joey Bosa really mad at the refs, or is this maybe perhaps misplaced anger at, you know, his head coach? What does he mean by those people? Uh, I think that that was some very emotional sound there from Joey Bosa. I can understand being very emotional uh, after you had a 27-point lead that your team blew and your season is over when you certainly should have been the team that won that game. I think, honestly, he was frustrated with the refs in that scenario, even though he's the one who slammed his helmet. He did go on to say, you know, he takes accountability for his actions, although that soundbite would maybe suggest otherwise. But I don't know if this really was directed at Staley. He has had this... He very much had the quote after the game. He's been very clear on it. You know, me and Staley, he got us to the playoffs against all odds or things that Joey Bosa has said. He said it's a rough season. Staley kept us on track. He credits his coach. He said all the right things when it comes to Staley. I think, honestly, this was just emotion pouring out of him from a very tough and a very emotional loss, Joe. Organized teams find ways to win games. Disorganized teams find ways to lose games. The Chargers are a disorganized team that finds ways every single year to lose games. And that's exactly what happened against Jacksonville. They found a way to lose that game. What's Bosa telling us here in this audio? What's he saying? Oh, he doesn't like the officiating? Join the millions of people around the world who don't like the officiating. Nobody likes the officiating. The fans hate the officiating. The coaches hate the officiating. The players hate the officiating. Your job is to make sure it doesn't push you over the line, which it clearly did, costing your team a 15-yard penalty that was enforced by Jacksonville, moving it from the two-and-a-half-yard line to the one-yard line, opting Doug Peterson into a two-point conversion that moved him from a three-point deficit with an extra point to a two-point deficit with a two-point conversion, and the field goal that came later, very closely thereafter, won the game. That's on Bosa. Bosa can blame the officials all he wants. It's not new that he's going to get hold and you're not going to get a call. That's nothing new. Be organized. Find a way to win the game. Avoid the huge mistakes in the big spots. He was in one of the biggest spots of his career right there. He blew it. It's not all on him, but it's partially on him. Refs are like lawyers. Everyone hates one until they need one. And you're always going to need a little help, an extra call from a ref at some time. Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence He went to Waffle House after that huge comeback win versus the Chargers this weekend. So what did the quarterback on the other side of the field from him this coming weekend in Patrick Mahomes think of that move by Lawrence? Here is the Chiefs quarterback. Lawrence uh, celebrated his first playoff win at Waffle House, which is pretty hardcore. (laughs) Uh, How did you celebrate your first playoff win? 
I can't remember exactly. I'm sure I was, I was saying to Brad, I'm sure there was a couple Coors Lights that were, were drinking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get Waffle House, man. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a baller move, man. Uh, and so uh, maybe uh, if, we, if we win this one, I'll think of somewhere to go that, that can match that. All right, two-part question, Joe. First of all, what do you think of Trevor Lawrence choosing Waffle House after that win? And secondly, how do you celebrate your big wins? Do you. Do you, Trevor Lawrence. If that's what makes you comfortable, if that's what makes you happy, do you. That was an incredible comeback that you will cherish and savor for the rest of your life. That's the type of thing that goes down in history in the NFL. Waffle House is your jam. Go get you some Waffle House. I prefer myself a nice steak, but that's not anti-Waffle House. I like to go out. I like to have a bottle of red. I like to have the steak. I actually like to warm up with the martini first. It gets a bit messy towards the end of the night, neither here nor there at the moment, but that's how your boy gets after it. Wondering how Amber Wilson gets after it. Well, very similarly to you as well, but I got both sides of me. I've also got the Waffle House gal in me as well. I've been known to a pecan waffle, those hash browns where they smothered, capped, all that sort of stuff. It's been a minute since I've been to a Waffle House, but when I was Trevor Lawrence's age, I was certainly frequenting Waffle Houses far more. Now, given I didn't have his bank account at Trevor Lawrence's age, but I like it. There's nothing wrong with a little celebration at a Waffle House. Patrick Mahomes went Coors Light. Look at that. Superstars. They're just like us. Coors Light and Waffle House. Not one, not two, not three, but four missed extra points by Brett Maher. And the Cowboys win over the Bucks last night. Was Maher in his own head? Here is the Dallas Cowboys kicker. I don't know about that. I mean, hindsight, it's easy to, to say that. But um, I felt like I had a good clean process. How were you able to bring yourself out of it? Like, what, what was your thought process? Just going one for one. Did they talk? Did your team talk to you at all when you came back to the bench? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, the team, the coaching staff, they were all uh, awesome, uh, and I needed every single one of them today. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I didn't do my my part, and that's disappointing. Um, but uh, we'll get back at it. So Amber, what were you thinking when you saw Brett Maher miss his? His fourth of the game, but his right. fifth straight extra point because he missed the one I mean, in the game in Week 18 against right. the Commanders. Yeah, he, I mean, he's got, the man's got the yips, right? I mean, that's the only logical explanation. We don't see – you see kickers in the National Football League miss field goals. You don't see them miss extra points and then to do it five times in a row. There is no other explanation than you're in your own head, even though I don't know why he didn't want to admit that there. And he had the yips, Joe. That's it. Love this dude and hope he bounces back as strong as possible for purely selfish reasons. I bet under 45 and a half last night. The game landed 45, half point. He missed four extra points. Do you, son? Like, I got your back. I hope it was just the yips for one game only and you are able to bounce back as strong as possible because you were big for me last night. I got your back. I owe you one going forward. The the, the beauty of betting uh, is you can always find the silver lining. Coming up here on Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. So are the Chargers really going to stick with Brandon Staley? It kind of seems like it. We're going to get into it next. This is ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Well, the Los Angeles Chargers collapsed, and so 
is their coaching staff, but maybe not the portion of the coaching staff that you would expect. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. You can always just tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio to listen to us. It's as simple as that. Give him a follow on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. Give me a follow as well at Amber W Sports. Before we get into the Chargers, let's try to earn you a little money, honey. Everybody likes money, and we do a thing on this show called Pizza Money, which means... Joe gives you some advice, a little wager, nothing crazy. You're not going to bet the house on it, but maybe, just maybe, you'll make a little extra cash. You can spend it on some pizza. Let's hop to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Strong little Monday night, three and one. So let's see if we can keep it cooking. We're going to the college hardwood tonight. Game tips off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Vanderbilt taking on Alabama we're taking the Commodores here. We like the underdog, plus eight and a half, stepping in front of that Alabama train that has won six straight and just beat LSU by 40 points on Saturday. What does that tell us? Well, they're a very good team coming off a blowout win, and their line might be inflated a little bit as a result, which indicates that we might find value going the other way. 12 of Vanderbilt's 17 games this season have stayed within nine points, which is exactly what we're looking to do here. They are a top 50 offense in college basketball. They've covered four of their last five spreads. We're going to have to hold our nose a bit here because that Alabama offense can score. But pizza money number one for this fine Tuesday evening, Vanderbilt plus eight and a half over Alabama. Well, when you have a 27-point lead in the playoffs – and you end up losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, heads are going to roll, so to speak. And that is what has happened for the Los Angeles Chargers. It's just not maybe the guy that we expected. The guy at the top so far appears to be safe in Brandon Staley. The Chargers have fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi and quarterbacks coach Shane Day. The team announced those firings today. So is this where the dominoes start falling? Or are those guys going to be the fall guys for maybe what could possibly be happening above them? Marcus Spears, ESPN's football analyst, was on SportsCenter. He addressed why the Chargers moved on from Lombardi. Joe Lombardi has been very um, predictable. His offense has no nuance to it. And I know it's a day where the coach is out and, and we sensitive to that. Don't like seeing anybody's job get lost, but this is a result based business. And I screamed for two years on NFL Live with my colleagues, Mina Kimes and Dan Orlovsky, about why doesn't Justin Herbert move more? Why don't you have more nuance to this offense? More things to give defenses to think about. It was just very simple. Simple does not seem like the move when you have a quarterback as talented as Justin Herbert is. I mean, I was just watching it with the Dolphins and the Bills, and the Dolphins kept getting all of those delay of game penalties, and some of that is on Mike McDaniel, but also I think with a Mike McDaniel-style coach, you have such an innovative offense. There's so much pre-snap movement that when you have a third-string rookie quarterback, he's just not going to be able to execute it properly where they weren't making those same mistakes with Tua. With Justin Herbert, you have a quarterback that most of us would even put a notch above Tua where you have a wildly talented quarterback that should be able to handle all sorts of trickery and all sorts of pre-snap movement, all sorts of stuff that can throw off a defense. So why on earth are you making it vanilla? I'm not surprised that they move on from Lombardi. Joe, a lot of people are going to be surprised, though, if they keep Brandon Staley. It's the Charger way. The Chargers are a cheap organization. All right, look at Denver. They're Walton money now. Walton family just bought in. They came in, Nathaniel Hackett, terrible season. 
They buy out the contract, they get rid of them. They're not going to tolerate that. The Chargers have shown us for years, they'll more than tolerate it because they don't want to pay out the deal. They don't want to pay two coaches. Brandon Staley just completed year two of a four-year deal. The Chargers don't want to buy him out. They don't want to spend that money. Look at their history. Marty Schottenheimer went 14-2 and two in 2006, but they lost their first playoff game against the Patriots. He gets axed. They bring in Norv Turner. Now, Norv Turner immediately takes him to the AFC Championship game where they lose. Then the next year, the divisional playoffs. They win a playoff game, then lose one. Then the following year, they lose their first one, and each year they get worse and worse. They go from 13-3 to 9-7 to 8-8 to 7-9. They let them hang around for six years when they should have gotten rid of them after the fourth season. So here comes Mike McCoy. He wins a playoff game his first year and then goes 9-7, 4-12. That's when he should have been fired, but they let him hang around one more year where he goes 5-11 and and they say goodbye because they don't want to buy out the contract. Here comes Anthony Lynn. He goes 9-7, and seven, then 12-4 and four with one playoff win, then 5-11, and 11, which you saw at this point, he should probably be gone, 7-9, and nine, and then they move on. And now it's Brandon Staley. It's the same thing. The biggest problem the Chargers don't even realize right now, they have the greatest asset you could possibly have in all of professional sports. It's a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract mm-hmm. because it's cheap, and it allows you to spend money everywhere else so you can contend for a Super Bowl. That's how it worked with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and it's how it's worked for a lot of other teams. If you have the franchise guy on the rookie deal, you have to win now, and they are doing anything but. They're now three years into Justin Herbert's tenure, and they Mm -hmm. have done nothing with it. So Staley's back for another year. If they flop there, that's four years. Then you're starting to get into the fifth-year option. You're going to have to pay him at some point, and it's going to compromise the rest of the roster. I think they're going to have to have an extension this offseason, I mean, that's how it would typically go is that Burrow and Herbert out of that draft would end up getting paid this offseason. Certainly by next offseason, you are handing him an extension. You're not rocking with Herbert on a rookie deal. You're not rocking with Herbert up to a fifth-year option. That seems ludicrous, although, listen, we're seeing some ludicrous stuff go on right now with the Baltimore Ravens. I can understand from an organizational perspective that they feel like, hey, we are making changes here. And maybe they feel like the quarterback's coach and the OC is more intimately involved with the problems in terms of that very vanilla offense. And so they figure, hey, getting rid of these guys, it's still going to be a change of pace. A lot of people, though, expected that decision, that change to come down to Brandon Staley. And I don't know if there's reasons beyond just the financial repercussions to keep him. Like, does Justin Herbert love Brandon Staley? I have no idea. Is there other reasons that lead them to believe that Brandon Staley is, in fact, the right guy for the job? He gets a lot of criticism for following the analytics, and they have him take chances that maybe older school coaches that don't follow the analytics would take in this game against Jacksonville. He got criticism for some of the conservative play calling. With Brandon Staley, it feels a little bit like he can't win no matter what he does. But at the same time, it's fair because, like you said, you got Justin Herbert, and they are in a win-now mode, and they certainly should have won now based on the offseason moves that they made on that defense and the fact that Herbert's under center for that team. And look at the franchise. They have had now – 21 consecutive seasons of either Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, or Justin Herbert as their quarterback. That's amazing. 21 seasons. During that time, they have five playoff wins. Crazy. It's an organizational failure, all right? The reason they skirt is because they're the number two out of two teams in L.A. They're not on the East Coast. You know, Green Bay for the longest time was able to get away with the fact that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back, generated two Super Bowl wins in 30 years. Like, that is 
a massive shortfalling on that franchise's behalf considering the quarterback play they've had. The Chargers are even more abysmal. One trip to the AFC Championship game and they lost that game at New England. Now they had a lot of key injuries. Tomlinson was out. Phillip Rivers was playing with a really bad knee in that game, so it's understandable. But this is an organizational failure. They've got a coach who has woefully underperformed with the talent he's been given. I don't see any reason to expect him to take a a, a big step forward next year. I really don't. Of course, our resident Chiefs fan, James Steele, just wrote on my screen, remember when people were saying the Chargers were going to win the AFC West this year? The thing is, you look at that roster, and it's not a crazy (laughs) thing to say by any means, and that falls even more on this coaching staff. Joe and Amber, the podcast.